All right, welcome back everyone. We're going to get into the Word now and we're going to continue the theme that we started a few weeks ago about the blueprint of the early church. I've mentioned a couple of times about the keys of the kingdom. I won't be speaking about them at length at all today, but maybe at some point we can go into them. But I just want to mention what I believe are the keys of the kingdom that we, we can see in the early church. If you read through the book of Acts, especially those first few, verse, a few chapters, I should say, you can really start to see the, the uh, implementation of these keys. And where was the keys of the kingdom first mentioned? Well, it was actually mentioned in Matthew 16. And I'll read that scripture again just to refresh our thinking. It says in Matthew 16, verse 19, and Jesus is, is speaking to the disciples and speaking specifically also to Peter. Well, actually, we'll go back to verse 18 because he says, I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. Okay, and we've looked at that these last couple of weeks. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of death, will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. In other words, whatever you bind or declare as illegal or unlawful, um, it shall already have been bound and declared illegal or unlawful on earth. And the same thing goes, the same principle applies to whatever you loose or release and, 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 and allow on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. And so it's an interesting concept when you talk about the keys of the kingdom. But I believe when you look at the, the early church and how it was birthed and the blueprint upon which Jesus built his church by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can start to see four pretty powerful principles. And that is, uh, it shouldn't really come as too much of a surprise, but the first one is the Word of God. It was built on the Word of God. It was literally the minute Peter got up and began to preach the Word of God, the people said, what must we do to be saved? And then we see the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the second key of the kingdom. We see him begin to convict people and really challenge their hearts. And, and the heart transformation came for the very first time. And human beings, for the very first time ever in the, hum in the history of humanity, had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. So we see the, the Word of God, we see the Holy Spirit, we see the name of Jesus. Now we see a group of people standing in the power of the name of Jesus. Another key, another thing that has been declared as legal in heaven and therefore can be declared as legal here on earth. And, and the fourth thing is prayer, the prayers of the saints. So we want to look at that another time, but I want us to remember those are the keys of the key kingdom in operation in the beginning of the church. Now, other people might argue there might be more, there might be less. But I believe when I read through the, the, you know, the, the scriptures that, that tell us what it looked like at the start, I believe you see those principles in operation consistently. And they are unlocking and releasing the plan, the power and the purpose of God ultimately for his people. Remember, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. So when you see those things in operation, you see the building of his church, who is his people, which is you and I now. All right. But of course, since then, we've things, seen that things have changed a lot. Times are changing. OK, we read in 2 Timothy 3.1. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Okay, that's, that's our first scripture that we're going to look at. And then the second one, also out of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, from verses 3 to 6, says this. 
for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Or in the ESV it says, to suit their own passions. Okay, we've got to remember these particular principles here. And will turn away their ears from listening to the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. It's really interesting. Both of those scriptures that I read have come out of 2 Timothy, which is actually the Apostle Paul's very last letter before he was executed. He had done all these years of ministry, of journeying with God, journeying with God's people. He could see at the end of his life, looking back, he could see the danger of God's people deviating from a sound doctrine. He knew and he understood that people are very fickle. And, you know, even in our short time, our 30 or 40 years of being in ministry together, Brahm and I, we can see that people are fickle. We can see ourselves that we're fickle if we don't stick to the principles of the keys of the kingdom of God and stick to the, the pillars that actually build build us as individuals but also build the, the, the church, the body of Christ. But when we look at these scriptures, we can see very clearly that people are actually, uh, they're very fussy and they're very fickle when they accumulate things based on their own desires. And that's what the scripture actually tells us. In the second, in, in chapter 4, 1 in 2 Timothy, it says they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't, they don't want it. They can't take it. They, their ears don't want it. But they, they want their ears to be tickled. They want to have something that entertains them. They want to have something that makes them feel good. They want, they want to hear things that suit their own desires, that suit their own passions. And so therefore they look and they accumulate people and teachers and things that are saying what they think they actually want to hear. And they turn their ears away. They turn their, their ability to listen properly away from actual truth. So we see that here. And there's something that really concerns me. And I guess today I want to sort of address this because I see this, um, or both Brahm and I really see this clearly in the world right now. There's this latest, definitely a disturbing sort of trend that I see in, in different streams, different aspects of Christianity. If we're talking about the church, right, we're talking about the blueprint of how to build the church correctly. Why? Because we want the glory of God to come and we want the power of God to come. We want healings. We want deliverances. We want the supernatural aspects of God to come in. Bran and I have experienced that in our lives. I've, I've, had powerful, powerful experiences in, in me. I've had de a demon scream out of me. No one can take that experience away. I still remember it to this day because the glory of God came into a church meeting that was so intense and so powerful. And I was delivered just like you read in the stories in the Bible. That happened to me. And I've, I've seen it happen to other people. But my experience was that after that event happened in my life, I was changed. I was transformed. My ability to read the Word of God, the, the ability to comprehend and take in the Bible, there was clarity there. I know what it's like to, to walk in, in a place where there's been deception or where there's been confusion, and then I know what it's like to literally, in one moment of the glory of God, of the power of God, to be set free and to be changed. And that's just 
one little testimony from me. Imagine if the church, the body of Jesus Christ here on the earth was filled with the glory. Every time we got together, every time, just even two or three of us got together and we began to expect God to move. If, imagine if we saw that kind of glory. Well, I believe, like we've said over these last few weeks, that the glory of God will come when we build according to the correct pattern, when we build according to the correct blueprint. But what I see in so many different areas, and of course there are different, so many different expressions of the body of Christ throughout the earth, and there are some amazing churches, some amazing uh, movements that are doing absolutely extraordinary things. Um, but there, there, there is a disturbing trend, and a lot of it's happening in the Western world, to be, to be perfectly honest, where I see many Christians flocking to what, what might be the latest buzz that a, a specific pastor or a specific preacher brings. And they, they, want, they flock to the latest opinions. They flock to the latest and greatest, coolest person on, on social media. And they begin to accumulate their favorite little preachers and their favorite social media posts, their favorite Instagram posts, their favorite uh, anything that can come in and tickle their ears. And it really concerns me because of uh, where I see that heading. Now, is the, you have to ask yourself the question, is the problem with the teacher or is the issue with the people? Well, I think the answer kind of lies in the scripture that we just read. It says... The people and what they want and what they look for, this is what it says, they will not endure sound doctrine. But they want to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, you could definitely argue that the issue is on both sides, but I actually don't want to talk about both sides today. I actually want to focus more on where the, the angle that the scripture is coming from, which is in fact the people's desire, the, the, the congregation's desire, almost to create the celebrity voices for them to listen to. It's the hunger and the force of the crowd. It's the dynamic of the crowd voice, of the, of the, of the mob voice saying, this is what we want. And you see that, and that's what the scripture is basically desi- uh, describing. And we see now there's a whole stream of people and it's becoming so cluttered, but they're subscribing to culture more than truth to be able to cope. They're creating these things where it becomes, these things actually become coping mechanisms in this time of crisis. And things, guys, things are only going to get worse. The world is going to get worse. Jesus has promised us that. In Matthew 24, he actually describes what it's going to be like at the end of the world. And he says... You know, when these things happen, there'll be great distress, but, but that's not the end. This, is, this has still got to happen. Guys, these things are going to happen. They have to happen, in fact, he said in Matthew 24. But he says, see to it that you are not frightened. See to it that you are not afraid. So, you know, our job as pastors is to help you, to help all of us navigate through whatever it is that we're facing right now. And remember the scripture we read first, in the last days, perilous times will come. Well, I think we're heading more and more into those days. And so we have to be equipped and we have to understand what we're looking to in order to be equipped. And so many people are looking to self-help. They're looking to self-empowerment. They're looking for things that make them feel good 
in this season of um, crises, why there's crisis going around us in, in the, in the uh, context of COVID-19. Well, that might all go away, but what's next? Jesus promises us that there's going to actually be one thing after another. When you start to read through the book of Revelation, you start to realize, oh, there are going to be things. It's, it's timed. It's spaced out. It's phased, and it will happen. Where will the church be? Who is the church? The church is you and I. Where will the church be in the context of these crises that are going to happen? How is Jesus going to be building his church, his ecclesia, in that season of trouble? Well, how is he doing it now? He's doing it the same way he did at the beginning. How did he do it at the beginning? He built according to the blueprint of what the church was meant to look like. He gave us keys for the kingdom of God. Okay, so this is how we bring ourselves back to the basics and to the, the simplicity of how God wants us to build. Guys, there is so much out there clambering and cluttering, clambering for our thinking, clam, clambering and, and desiring and hungering for your thoughts and your opinions and your mindsets and, your, and then your behavior and your application of those thoughts and that mindset, trying to rally you to different causes that have nothing to do with the building of the kingdom of heaven and the building of the kingdom of God. So how do we get back to the basis, basics of how to do this, to build you know, when you even look at church culture, when you look at the way many leaders across the nations are building the church, there's a lot of professionalism. There's a lot of organization. There's a lot of slickness. There's a lot of cool. Okay. And uh, there's even a lot of being up to date with social and, and, and current affairs that are going on. None of that is a problem, but it can become a problem when the focus becomes that. Because that is not how God called us. They're not the, they're not the keys to the kingdom. The king, keys to the kingdom of God are not professionalism. The keys to the kingdom of God are not slickness. The keys to the kingdom of heaven is not in our organization. I'm sorry, guys, but it's not. You know, there's a great theologian from, the, from America by the name of Don Carson. And he said, these are all just peripheral things. But when the peripheral takes center stage... We are not far off from idolatry. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And you see, people are always trying to find something new, especially when if you go back to that original thought, people are looking for something to tickle their ears, to tickle their mindset, to make them feel like a little, little buzz or something, uh, bringing joy into their lives. And I liken it to when we, we want to add sugar to our food. And, uh, but the trouble is the more sugar you add, and I know all about this because I've been heavily addicted to sugar over the, the journey of my life and over the course of my life. And, um, and I've added sugar in the, in the form of chocolate. And, and all, you know, the, the more sugar I have, the more chocolate I eat, the sweeter I have of my desserts, the, 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 the more I have of sugar, the more sugar I want. And you just want more and more. And you actually end up being addicted to something of no substance. In fact, the, the interesting thing about sugar, and I think we all know that this, is that it is, I think someone wrote a book called Sweet Poison. It's sweet, but it's poisonous. It will actually kill us. You know, we know that, that, that sugar will actually kill us if we eat too much of it. We actually need something more organic. But the problem is, when we get addicted to sugar, the organic doesn't really taste very nice. 
And we've got to a stage now in, in some streams of Christianity, of course, I, I, I'm, I'm being very general here, but it's not in every stream, okay? I'm just talking about specific streams, but the problem is some of these streams have very loud voices. And even if they don't have loud voices, the crowd, the mob rule is, is swarming those, those voices and making them celebrities. And we see that the word of God is actually not enough anymore. We now see pastors and preachers having to be, to use dramatization to keep everybody entertained and interested. We see, you know, pastors and leaders having to rely on how they look and how cool they are. How, how big their muscles are and how many tats they have and all the, the sh photos that they have on Instagram. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But when that takes precedence over the simplicity of the message that's being preached, when, when it creates in the crowd that is watching this need, I need more of that, I need more of that, I need more of that, then suddenly they don't want to just look at the the, the nice little humble pastor that runs the church down the corner of my suburb and who's just simple, you know, he's a bit overweight, he doesn't look cool, he's, you know, he's not young and hip anymore, he doesn't wear cool clothes. Why would I listen to him? Why would I go to his church? You know why? Because sugar, had, I call it spiritual sugar. Spiritual sugar has started to overwhelm us and it is overtaking us. And it makes us look at what might just be normal and real. And like a three meat, a, what is it, meat and three veg kind of meal, it looks boring. It doesn't look interesting anymore. And yet the very thing we need is in the organic. It's in the, in the real food. It's in the real stuff. I mean, I'm using analogies here, but you get where I'm going. You know, we, we're, there's, this, there's this thing and this pull for people to need and to want the entertainment, the thing that is going to make them feel good. But guys, it is shallow, it is hollow, and it has no substance. And sugar, if you overload on sugar, it will destroy you and it will kill you. And you know, when I've had to come off sugar in the past, when I've done that, uh, it, it, it's not easy because your body actually craves it. But then when you're finally, you finally push through the cravings and you no, no longer have that, you actually, your taste buds come back and you actually start to de desire and enjoy real wholesome foods to the point that when you try, try something sweet again, it's horrible and it tastes, in fact, I remember going off chocolate for so long that when I tried chocolate again, it tasted almost, um, uh, what's the word? Like it was, um, it, it didn't taste uh, like a natural taste. I can't think of the word, but it, it tasted really weird to me. And it sort of put me off having that again. And now, I, of course, I still eat chocolate, but not to the degree that I used to eat. So we have to be very careful with things that will do that to us. You know, when we look at where we're at right now as the church, it's not even just our church, obviously, it's the church. And we have this online challenge now. You know, we, we have to take this online challenge and we have to make it work. Every single one of us as pastors and leaders have to do that. And yet I see so many pastors worrying about not being back in their buildings, not being back in, their, in, the, in the safety of, what, of what, uh, what they know as normal. But you know what? We think we need buildings, but no, we don't. We don't need buildings. We don't need those things. See, this is where God is bringing us back to the basics. You know, at the start of the lockdown, I remember hearing a pastor say, 
um, and I saw this firsthand. He actually said, oh, be careful all you pastors out there. Get this online thing happening good. And, and crazy, he actually said a particular name, but I won't say the name. But he said, unless that famous online young, cool American preacher ends up pastoring your people and taking your people. And Brian and I just looked at each other and went, are you kidding me? No. For a start, the word should be pastoring you as our people. It's not even Brahm and I that need to be in your life every minute, every second, pastoring you. No, come on. We're raising intelligent believers. The word of God needs to be pastoring you. And we should just be focusing on giving you the word. That's our job. Our job and our role is to be people who are used in the context of the giftings that God's placed upon our lives. We bring the word of God, but then the word of God changes you transforms you remember it's one of the keys of the kingdom of heaven so you know what guys come on let's have the guts to do this properly let's have the courage to do this well there's too many things that are luring people out there there's the lure of the cool look you know uh, <laughs> I, I just laugh sometimes when i see the the, the lure that the draws people in and um where i see the preacher becomes more f famous than the the person jesus that they're actually preaching about and, um, and, you know, you see it in the West, I see it in the East. And I won't go into it because I don't want to go into the details of how I specifically see it. But I see that lure of having to look cool and having to look a certain way, having little ways of doing things on social media that draw people in and having the pressure of always having to perform. But what troubles me more is that the people, the believers, are doing exactly what Paul said to Timothy. There will, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And you know what? And all that stuff, it just becomes clutter. All that stuff that we're seeing now, it's just, it just becomes clutter. There's nothing wrong with it. But when that is what feeds you more, guess what? When you're in trouble, you're not going to have any substance. The, the trouble is when that is the thing that actually nurtures you and nourishes you right now, what's happening is the packaging is overtaking the content and that's a problem that's when what Don Larson said is very relevant that when the peripheral takes center stage we're not far from idolatry okay I don't want to go for too much longer but I just want us to to remember to be careful because there's the lure of the look there's the lure of false promises of ministry and we've seen all of this before remember Brahm and I are in our 60s now we've been doing this for 40 years and you know what? We've been saying the same thing for 40 years. And the trouble is we keep seeing the same patterns happen in people's lives. And when, when there's the lure of false promises and the people respond by wanting their, their hearts and their ears tickled by that sort of thing, they end up, this is what it leads to, it leads to wrong pastoral advice. We've seen this. But not only have we seen uh, the, the, the fact that there's no substance in what, what, what happens in, in those situations but it's actually deadly for people and it leads people astray and it destroys lives and um, it gives a misunderstanding of what ministry is actually all about and it gives a, a wrong perception of what people should be aspiring to when it comes to ministry you see sugar when you talk about spiritual sugar sugar hides the real taste and it removes the desire for the real thing and it eventually kills the body all right, so we have to go cold turkey to allow our bodies to relearn what tastes nice. And I think it's time for the church to come back to 
the, the wholesomeness of the Word of God, the truth, the simplicity of the Word of God. And, um, and begin to listen to what God is saying. See, there's this trend where you see this happening, but if you contrast that with a true prophet, the way true prophets speak, you know what true prophets do? True prophets don't keep trying to find the next great little way of the next hip way of reaching out and gathering uh, your, your attention. No. Prophets, real prophets, just keep saying the same thing. The message doesn't change. The message does not change. The message does not change. You know why? Because they're reinforcers of the covenant of God. And often, as we see in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, prophets are not the popular ones. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I like to refer to them as the, the meat and three veg kind of uh, people. You know, I grew up like that. I literally grew up with meat and three veggies every every night. You could almost tell, tell, tell what you were going to eat by the night of the week. Every That particular night of that week, that's what you would always eat. Every week, week in, week out. Um, we never had takeaway. We didn't do it. We couldn't afford it. It wasn't a thing in, in the 1960s. Um, but you know what's really interesting? In my world, no one was obese. In the natural, there was nobody walking around completely overweight. Uh, there were the same amount of diseases that we see nowadays. Everyone was very happy and very healthy. And if you transpose that into the spiritual sense of, of what a true prophet looks like when they're not always giving out sugary, sweet things that entice people to have their ears tickled, when people are giving just the correct doctrine all the time, they can come across as boring, okay? It just, when you contrast it with, with the latest and the greatest, it looks boring. But you know, we've got to remember in the Bible, God used a donkey to bring the word of God. And sometimes some pastors, they can look like and sound like donkeys because they're not the cool ones. But I can tell you now, they will have the word of God for you. They will have the word of the Lord for you and I. Because emotive posts, emotive things are not going to cut it when you need God most. And this is, I think, is the thing that, that, that um, concerns me a lot right now in this season is what are we listening to? What are we feeding ourselves with? What are we taking in? What are we building into our lives? If we really want to build the church according to the blueprint of God's purpose and plan, then that starts with you and I as individuals. How are we building our lives? You know, and I'm going to finish on this thought and we'll pick it up again another time. But the Old, prof the old Testament prophets basically just kept saying the same thing. The Messiah is coming. There's a Savior coming. There's somebody who's coming. A, a, a child shall be born. There, there shall be laid in Zion a stone, a, a good stone, a strong stone, a solid stone. Everything that was prophesied down the ages was about Jesus who was coming. They saw him coming. In fact, 1 Peter 1 says this in verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, and they searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So even Peter talked about how the prophets of old prophesied about this grace that was coming through, through Jesus the, the Messiah. 
and we saw that the world stage was set. We saw all those things when you look back over the Old Testament. So the Old Testament prophets continually, they, why? Because they're reinforcers of the covenant. They kept giving the same thing. They didn't go out with all the bells and whistles and try and gather people's uh, attention. No, they kept saying the same thing. Some of them were stoned. Some of them were killed. Some of them were disdained. Some of them were, were shamed. Why? Because they were preaching a message that was not popular. And all they kept saying was, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And guess what? Now we have the New Testament prophets. What are they saying? He came, he came. It's Jesus. Look to Jesus. It's him. He's all we need. We don't need to embellish the, 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 the message. We don't need to embellish the truth. We don't need to sugarcoat the message. We just need to build strong disciples. Guys, it's happened. The cross has happened. The cross literally entrenched the arrival of that Savior that the, the Old Testament prophets talked about. The cross entrenched his arrival in history. And then the New Testament prophets, all they did was keep preaching about the cross, about Jesus. Every sermon in the book of Acts, you, obviously, you know, those of you who have done DMS know that this is what we preach about in DMS. Every sermon, the five sermons in the book of Acts was all about the cross. Guys, let's not allow our ears to be tickled by all the stuff. Let's be people who endure strong doctrine and go back to the basics. Let's get back to the keys of the kingdom. It is powerful. I'm going to end on this scripture. Colossians 1, verses 28 to 29. And this is Brahms and my catch cry. This is the foundation. We will not stop preaching this. This is who we are. This is who we've always been. Before we even knew much of the Bible, literally from day one, this is who we have been. And on day end, on day, the day that we die, this will be our story. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone. That's you guys. That's you guys. We want to present you fully mature in Christ. And then Paul goes on to say in Colossians, to this end. I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. Guys, this, this is the reality of building church. So what are the keys of the kingdom? The keys of the kingdom, like I said at the start, are the name of Jesus, the word of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. They're all interdependent with one another. The Holy Spirit brings life to the word of God. The Holy Spirit gives power to the name of Jesus and the prayer of the saints make all these keys come alive and makes them active in church. I think it's time for us to just, we're going to sing that song again, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Honestly, he's all we need. He's everything we need. We're going to keep preaching him. We're going to keep strenuously contending for this faith. We're going to keep giving the meat and three veggie sermons. And I want all of us, Melbourne Lifers, Jakarta Lifers, whoever's watching, we're going to be strong in the truths of strong doctrines. And we will endure strong doctrines. We will not be people who will be weak. We will not be people who accumulate for ourselves teachers in accordance with our own desires or that suit our own passions. We're not going to be people that just want our ears tickled and, and, and want to be entertained. No. Come on, guys. 
We're going to be radical Christians, not radical in foolish, radical in living for the truth, living on the principles of, of, the, of these truths that we're talking about here today. All right? So let's turn our eyes to Jesus. Look to him. And if you're watching for the very first time today, I invite you to look to him right now as we sing this song. Amen. I love you guys. See you next week.